Hey, it's Ethan Blake. If you want to stay up to date on the latest episodes, features, and more, please be sure to subscribe, like, and whatever to every single profile I've got going on related to Under the Influence. On this episode, I had the pleasure of hosting Jared Falk of Drumeo. Absolute killer interview. Answered all my questions, had a couple laughs, and everything else you're just going to have to watch for yourself. In the meantime, stay well, stay seriously unserious, and I'll catch you next time. <laughs> right. So right now, are you at um? Are you actually at the Musora facility, or is or are you working from home? I'm in like my home studio. Oh, right on, right on. Yeah. Well, Jared, thank you so much. I'm so happy yeah. to be on with you. Um, real casual conversation is sort of what we're going for. Um, just basic background questions, stuff about Drumio and the whole, the whole spiel. Um. So yeah, if you're ready, we can get right into it. Yeah, man, let's do it. Awesome. So, first and foremost, um, I did want to talk about uh, you a bit. How did uh, you, in particular, just sort of figure out your love of drums? Like, or where did where did sort of drumming fit into your life, and at what time? My parents were never really musical, although they enjoyed music. Okay. My grandparents were, and so they kind of skipped a generation, and then. I was kind of forced to take choir, I think it was in high school. And I had a really interesting teacher in high school, and he always made us like listen to music and be like very active listeners. And so I saw this guy like air drumming one time, he got in trouble for it. But um, <laughs> I looked at that, I'm like, that looks really fun. You know, I didn't really, I don't have the best singing voice, right. uh, I'm fine in a choir. Uh, <laughs> So then I went home and asked my parents if, if I could play drums, and they had a drum set in storage from the late 60s. It was a late 60s Pearl kit, uh, and they were like kind enough to take it out and set it up in my in our basement. And I remember the, the first time I sat down at the kit, I just kind of fell in love. And ever since then, it's, the, it's kind of changed the course of my entire life, right? <laughs> that yeah. one moment. So... But I started when I was 15 and I'm 41 now. So do right. the math, right? I don't I know what it is. <laughs> I think, I, no, I think I remember you posting something about you started sort of later in life. Yeah. A little bit. And then as far as like your drumming influences, who do you look to directly? I grew up in the nineties, right? So I listened to Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Our Lady Peace, U2, yeah. Dave Matthews Band, uh, you know, like, and then some pop stuff like, I remember buying a Boys to Men album, Backstreet uh, <laughs> nice. uh, Boys, NSYNC, Britney Spears. Like, so I'm like that era. Mm -hmm. And then later in life, I got into old, like cause older groups like <clears throat> uh, Toto. Mm. Uh, I really love Toto. Yeah. Yeah. So th those are like some of my, my inspirations. And all the drummers from those bands were like drummers that I tried to emulate their drum parts. Awesome. Y'all are doing a um, Singing the Police tribute right now, aren't you? Or something like that. I'm gonna play tribute. No, no. Brandon T Taves just did a video on Drumio. Uh, like a he launched a genius of Stuart Copeland. Mm, okay, that's, oh, that's what, it was. what we saw. And I posted a bunch of uh, pictures of me on that kit. No, that looks sick. Yeah. My dad, uh, he was the one who got me into Stinging the Police, and he he's always been into sort of those older groups like Steely Dan and stuff like that. Yeah. Cool. And yeah, I mean, um, as far as um, your staff, that was another thing I wanted to talk to you about. How did you find these guys? Because the staff, 
yeah, like like uh, Brandon. Um, who else did I, did I find? Uh, Dave Atkinson, Aaron Edgar. How'd you find them? Yeah, because they're all like super talented. <laughs> well, my first videos were uploaded in two thousand and three. Right, and so you know, for over the years, I've just kind of worked at it, grinded away, and you end up meeting people, right? Yeah. So Dave Atkinson, I. I taught him drums for a while and he used to come to like a weekly concert thing that I did. Um, Aaron Edgar, I saw posting videos online in like 2008 and 2009. And Brandon Taves, I gave him drum lessons when he was 15 years old at a music store. And then he went to, he went to uh, Grant McEwen college for, for like music school. Um, And, in the summers, he came back and he worked at Drumeo. And so me and him co-authored a book together. He wrote some books on his own. And now he's just kind of, he, now he's like the, the Drumeo content director. And so he's kind of done an amazing job yeah. uh, finding a place um, when it comes to content creation and, and just serving drummers, which is what we do at Drumeo, right? Oh, yeah. And so how do, yeah. how do you sort of uh, coordinate your time as CEO of all of this and then finding room to actually film stuff? Like, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Do you have any ideas on how I could do that? You know, I, I, you, you seem pretty good at it, so. <laughs> well, the the biggest, like some of the best advice I got early on in business from my business partner and other training is the, the idea of really focusing on your strengths and anything that you're doing that's your weakness within business is actually the thing that other people like they don't appreciate that about you. Mm. When you do it in a workplace setting, they get frustrated because you're doing something that's not in your unique ability. And so the idea of trying to focus on my strengths allows me to not have to get so bogged down with a bunch of small details and things that I'm not good at. And so early on I said, I want to leverage my time and I want to leverage my strengths. And so I need to hire other people that have offset in strengths. Right. And so, you know, since it started, we've gone through peaks and valleys, but now the company is at around 100, 100 to 105 people, total staff. Um, and so my staff are the ones who give me the freedom to focus on what I'm good at, and they do the things that they're good at, which just happen to be the things that I suck at. So, nice. Nice. you know, anyone who's trying to do it all on their own is likely going to burn out at some point. It's mm-hmm. very, very difficult to continue to grow a business, especially in the internet world, which changes so quickly. It's very difficult to grow a business in the internet world by yourself. For sure. And circling back to internet, um, with everyone, you know, social media has just become this huge outlet for all these musicians, drummers, musicians. Is that changing the way people are getting gigs now? Apart from, you know, just sort of sending in, uh, or I, I don't even really know how people used to get gigs apart from just being discovered locally, but um, yeah, how has social media affected that? That's a good question. You know, like there's been a lot of discussion about this, um, especially because you have these drummers who, who grew up during a certain era and who kind of cut their teeth on the instrument and in the industry through a certain era where they were playing, like going from show to show every night, you know, seven days a week. Um, kind of grinding from club to club or band to band. And now that we have the internet, it's kind of changed that. Like that used to be the way to get yourself out there. That used to be the way to network and meet lots of different people. Whereas now it's it's obviously that's still a thing. If you go down to Nashville, 
on the strip, there's just like bands playing on either side of the road uh, all night. And same with New York and some of those hot spots. But there's a lot of to really talented people that don't live in those areas. Like I'm, I'm an example of one of those guys. Like I'm in a Bible Belt, so if I want to play anywhere, it's got to be in a church, and that's okay. it. But there's no like, there's no live music clubs even 20 minutes from me, even 30 minutes from me. Oh, wow. And so, so for me, it's like, I looked at the internet, like, this is a great way for uh, me to put myself out there, me to scratch that creative itch, me to, you know, in the modern age, I believe it's the, the modern version of drummers cutting their teeth in the industry. And you've heard terms like creator burnout, yeah. where someone's like, you know, they're, they're so burnt out trying to create content. And so there, it's a grind. Like anyone who creates content consistently and has some consistent level of success over time will tell you that it's not just easy. But a lot of these kind of older school guys who grew up in that era I spoke about earlier, yeah. they look at today's modern musician and modern drummer who's posting on social media, and they kind of look down on on that. And it's just different. It's a different version of, of what they did. And because they don't really understand it, it's not the way they did it. They think it's wrong. Yeah. But I truly believe that the way the dr uh, drummers nowadays could like to, to really like amplify their careers, if that's something they want to do, like you got to have a social media presence. You got to understand like content publishing, content yeah. creation. Um, I mean, you don't have to, but if you do, it's only going to improve your chances yeah. of success, right? And so, yeah, I, I think both are both are valid. And the, the people that cut their teeth going from show to show, gig to gig, and just play gigs all the time, great. And I have a lot of respect also for the people who grind away posting on social media, connecting with, with fans, because I think both do the same thing, which is create more drummers and help them to play longer, which is overall our mission at Drumio, yeah. is that's how we serve drummers. We convince more people that drumming is really cool and you should play, and then we help them play as long as possible. Uh, because I think it's a better industry for teachers and students if we have more drummers in the world. No, that's fantastic. I love that. And then as far as these newer drummers like J.D. Beck and Grayson Nekrutman, how are they comparing to sort of the old school drummers as far as just like breakout talent and stuff like that? Uh, well, that, like a guy like Grayson Nekrutman is basically taking kind of an old school playing style and modernizing it. Yeah. And he's he's putting his own modern spin on it, as well as publishing the information and his performances um, just on modern platforms. Like it's great looking content, whereas a lot of the clips you saw of of people doing that type of stuff were like clips of Gene Krupa or Buddy Rich or Louis Belson from way back in the day. Right. Video quality was terrible. You know, it's like it's hard to even see what they're doing. And you got a guy like Grayson in high quality HD video, kind of doing some of those same licks and yeah. same style, uh, right up close, and uh, it's just it's just gone completely viral for him. So, I think he's done an amazing job with with what he's done. Um, JD Beck, <clears throat> a little bit different. He's taken like obviously more of the jazz fusion and and the, the mod and modernized that in his own way. Mm -hmm. um, so they're both kind of going down their own unique paths and leveraging social media um, and the whole online world to, to their benefit, I think. But yeah. it's, it's really cool to see see them continue to grow and, and get better and better. Oh, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah. What's interesting is one of my drum mentor, he was mentored by Robert Scott Seawright. Oh, nice. And um, he's real tight with J.D. Beck. Um, 
you, they were on tour in Dallas not too long ago. I really wish I caught them. It was yeah, real upset about that. Um, as far as sort of like the the division of all your of the music resources from piano, singio, and drumio, um, is that all you? as well just sort of reaching out to different people with their respective skills or is that sort of a whole collaboration between a bunch of other musicians like the artists that we have out for those platforms like the teachers oh. and um everything yeah so i like i have an artist relations director on staff um we have a partnerships director on staff uh and natalie and sarah they do a great job and then we have a, like the content team that works with artists to produce content. So we have a, I have a content team for Drumeo. So it consists of Brandon, a guy named Aaron, um, the three editors, a guy named Ross, Colin, Dylan. And those, those guys kind of like focus on the creation of content, mm. content that goes publicly as well as content that goes in our online platform. Gotcha. And I have that for every, for every brand. So when I start a new vertical, like piano, for example, we have to invest basically upfront. So I have to hire like content people. I have to hire editors. I have to hire um, the artists and bring, bring artists out. Uh, but that's a lot of work, you yeah. know, and a lot of money. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to know, you have to know, um, I always say it's like connecting how, how it's all how the plumbing works in a business yeah and the plumbing works in like a corporation it's like okay so you create the content but how, how do you actually make money how do you pay for it like a lot of people like they don't they don't know they think most people actually think drumming is just a youtube channel you know to this day yeah. most people think i'm just a youtuber and uh and that's all i do when there's this like whole other side um of, of what we do at newsora it's so funny yeah what's um so sort of talking about drumio a little bit what have are do you know what has been sort of like one of the most popular lesson packs that people uh, well into our most yeah our, our, our most popular lesson pack ever was just launched as a lesson pack called 30 day drummer and it's not i wouldn't say it's most popular due to it's like how many people have purchased it because it's still relatively new and we've mm -hmm. sold way more of other ones um, it's most popular because based on all of our data, the more people went through and completed that, that those lessons than any other pack that we've ever had. Oh, that's fantastic. It's, yeah. So for us, it's like, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of garbage metrics online that people put a lot of weight into. Like if you look at like a YouTube views, for example, like views is kind of a garbage metric because it doesn't really tell you anything. All it tells you is that they had a really good thumbnail and a really good title, mm. right? And so it doesn't tell you how many people actually watched the whole video. Right. And that's called viewer retention. Mm -hmm. And in, in, in Musora, we call it student retention. So we want students, like our goal is to keep students playing for longer. Oh, you have a, you have a dog behind you. Nice. What kind of dog is that? That is my dog, Howie. He um, just happened to need to join us. <laughs> that's awesome man. I'm, I'm a huge dog fan so i got distracted there but yeah like, like student, student retention is like super important so of the people that went through 30-day drummer there were around 8,000 students um we had a, by far and away a massive amount of people actually complete the pack uh i believe it's around 43 or 45 percent that meaning they wow. went through all 30 lessons within the within the 30 days 
And if you look at online course consumption and completion, generally it's between three and 5%. So we got more than 10 times the completion rate than most other online courses in the industry. So it's fair to say that's like, that was like a huge success and, and you'll see a lot more from us. And, and big shout out to like my whole team for that, like especially Domino Santantonio, who is the instructor. I mean, she's super engaging and amazing. No, she's, um, she's a fantastic drummer. She's awesome. Yeah. Speaking of drummers, who have been some of your, um, if possible, like who, who could you say have been maybe like some of your favorites you've had on? Like whether for a solo or a lesson, if, you, if you're mm. able to narrow it down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Be Benny Greb was like such a yeah, awesome he, one. He's on my list too. He's on the, probably my favorite video is the one at the NAMM show. With Which one is that? I think. Was Did it, we film it or someone else? Someone else filmed it and y'all probably reposted it. it. I don't know if it it's the dates that are going to kill me. I'm, I want to say 2018. He was there with a band with his band or, okay, yeah. or something like that. And he had just an unbelievable performance with like crowd engagement and a whole bunch of other stuff. Nice. Yeah. We had his band uh, moving parts out to our yeah. first Romeo festival. So that's pretty, pretty awesome. The thing I like about Benny is he, he's just like a really nice, genuine person as well. And it really comes, you, when you hear, listen to his playing, it just sounds like it kind of matches his personality in yeah. the perfect way. You know, it's like, and it's weird. I don't even know what, what that means when I say it, but it just, it just is. Um, another guy I've loved having out is Todd Zuckerman. Todd is mm. one of the hardest working drummers I've ever met. He practices like crazy. And if you listen to him play, I mean, that he does not need to practice another day in his life. He's yeah, this guy is, yeah. Is just go like insane. So I actually have a question um, about um, Todd real quick. How long does it take yeah. to set his kit up? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I figured I had to ask. It's like fifty pieces or something like that. It's it's a yeah. beast, It's a beast of a kit. But it depends on how many people. I, I probably like you know sound check and setup is probably like four hours. Mm. But his his like uh, pearl is really good to him. Like every time he's come out. They send a kit, um, and it's a lot of it's I think um, memory lock and stuff like that. So it kind of just goes together like a like a puzzle. Nice. Yeah. And then as far as your products that you guys have done, what's one that you're particularly proud of? I really love the new quiet kit. I don't know if you've seen that. It's like a, a thing that your your bass drum kind of attaches to, so yes. you can practice anywhere. It's like it's such a simple product. I don't, I don't think I have one here, but it's such a simple product. Uh, and we are one of our guys, Kyle Radomski. He's a Drumeo community a director. But he, had, we were talking in the strategic planning meeting, and we said we need a bass drum practice pad. And he's like, "Oh, you just do this and this and this, and then the, you know that'll work." And so we have a manufacturer that we work with in in China, and he worked with them and, and figured it out. And it took around six to eight months, and we had a product. So it's really simple. Yeah. Awesome. Product. Sounds like it. Yeah. How, how was, so what was more intimidating in your opinion? Was it breaking out into the teaching space or the product space or would it be in your head sort of one and the same? Uh, well, products are very different than teaching products are like the tools. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they're, they're definitely important. But yeah. They're, they're just different. I mean, the teaching thing is, is probably a lot more 
it's more of what we do. I think it's more right. of our our core uh, thing that we offer the community. And the products are like we wanted to help provide tools in the marketplace because we didn't see the the tools that um, that we really liked. Yeah. So, yeah. But both are both are really hard to do from a business perspective. How has your um, how has your audience base expanded since uh, two thousand three? Because you weren't Drumio in two thousand three, were you? You were, no, you were Break Sticks or something, right? That's right. Yeah, you Break Sticks, and then like Drum Room and Secrets, and then Freedom Lessons, DrumLessons.com, and Drumio was like two thousand eleven. Okay. Um, so what did you say? How did our or audience? Yeah, audience was like. It's it's just been slowly growing over time. Yeah, you know I, I couldn't tell you exactly how many views. Yeah, uh, I think on YouTube we got 130 million views last year. Uh, I don't know what we got the first year or anything, but that's through all of our channels, by the way. So a lot, like okay. a, again, a lot of people know me and my uh, stuff from like my social channels, but there's piano, there's guitario, right. there's, you know, and they all have their own social channels as well that we manage. Nice. So one thing I definitely need to ask you is how do you go to Nam as a regular person? Easy. Just go. <laughs> See, I, I, I've, I've been told that before and I'm thinking like, I've tried looking up tickets for that. Yeah. And, and it just seems like one of those things where you need to have sort of like a fall, like you need to either be like an educator to get sort of a, invite for it yeah i'm probably looking at the wrong at the wrong no point. i think that's changing and, and you're yeah you are right like i just feel like if everyone if anyone really wanted to go there's like you can talk to your local music store they generally get passes oh. uh, a lot of times your music teachers get passes if you know anyone that works at an industry like a manufacturing company i mean i, I gave out passes one year like we once had we were exhibiting i think i had like 40 or 50 passes and so they're pretty easy to get okay yeah excuse me they're pretty easy to get and if you look at all the people there like not all those people that are attending them are actually working in the industry That's what a I lot figured. of them i figured yeah. most a lot of them are there to like shoot it too uh -huh. there's media stuff um but a lot of people a lot of like up-and-coming musicians will go there as a way to try to like get endorsements and connect with oh, industry so cool. yeah you, you've never been how old are you uh, I'm 22. 22. Oh, you're so, you're so young. Uh, so you've never you've never been to Nam? No, not once. It's, okay. It's, yeah, you... Ever since I've seen all like like the new compact kick kits that I've been growing in popularity, like um, what is it? Uh, like uh, Gig Pig or something? I think that's what it's called. Yep. Um, I got really into those kits for a little bit, so I started like just doing all this breakdown research in NAMM, and then I'm thinking, why can't I just go? Because it's like the SEMA for instruments. Yeah, exactly. It's changing next year, though. I think they're actually opening it up to everyone, which will change everything about it. Because it, traditionally, NAMM was a place for industry to go see all the new products mm -hmm. and basically place their orders for that calendar year right so nam was a place where where manufacturers and suppliers went to sell and other people went to buy so it was like a a, a, a place for buyers and sellers to connect but then it kind of got tainted over the years and like when we went to nam we weren't selling anything nor were we buying anything like we all i only shut down the show didn't you yeah yeah we played we we're too noisy and that's <laughs> yeah that's because <laughs> their uh their thing is 
like selling. People are supposed to be able to talk and, and do commerce. Um, but in our case, like we weren't selling anything. We we're there to just like promote the brand and all, all ultimately promote drumming. Mm. And um, I felt Nam police were way too hard, like hard on us. We and Nam in general. We tried to work with them ahead of time to establish like certain periods of time. Like here's ten minutes where we're going to be playing. They didn't. They were not willing to work with us in any way. Mm. So I, it's been. It was cost me a lot of money to go there. And the last day, we just decided to keep playing. Yeah. <laughs> the guy's telling me, "Tell him to stop. Tell him to stop." I'm like, no, I'm not telling him to stop. So so he's gonna finish the song. Then he'll stop. It's a great performance too. Yeah, David killed, Frank. Yeah, right? he, yeah, he killed that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, one thing I sort of forgot to ask you was what would you have done if music wasn't your career? Cause you said you're growing, you grew up in the Bible belt. So where, if not music, where would you have gone? Um, or can you not like picture yourself outside of music? No, cause I grew up, I grew up in a family business. Like my dad's an entrepreneur. My grandpa mm-hmm. is an entrepreneur. Uh, I grew up on a family farm okay. and so I would very likely be working uh, for my family's farm, I did I did do sales in there. Like previous to this, yeah, I was like I was selling duck into Chinatown. So I would go there with a van filled with frozen or and fresh duck, <laughs> and I would make deals with the Chinese merchants on, uh, you know, on because they you know have, have you ever had uh, barbecue duck from a from like a Chinatown? <clears throat> they're hanging in the window. Yes, yes. Yeah, they're they're really. Um, it's a really interesting flavor, but uh, but so that I, I that's where I learned to do a lot of like sales and stuff like that, yeah. which I, I, I really love that. But I'd probably be doing something like in sales. I'd probably be working in my on my family's farm, just in any sort of operations or yeah. I mean, I worked in the processing plant, uh, or I've been in real estate. I've always loved real estate in some capacity. Uh, that's that's even to this day, it's one of kind of my side projects that I work on. That's awesome. Um, and then as far as like your bucket list, has the, have you done anything that, is there, is there anything left on it? Yeah, there's <laughs> lots left to do, man. There's lots. Well, I'm People just trying to figure saying. out, you've been, you've been, it, like, not like you've been everywhere and anywhere, but you've been around, you're, you've met all these amazing people. What, what left is there for you to do? Are, are you getting ready to put me out, push me out to pasture there, Ethan? I mean, just, what do you think I'm I mean, I have a resume handy. <laughs> you can have my job if you want it, man. <laughs> uh, there's a ton more content to film. Yeah. We basically filmed the pilot of a new kind of documentary format that we wanted to do. Our first one was with Phil Collins. So I sent uh, a team went to Switzerland and they That's filmed right. um, with Phil for a couple of days and Nick, his son. <clears throat> and the content is amazing. It's going to turn out awesome. There's that. Uh, I want to do more like uh, more documentaries and, and things like that of that nature. Yeah. Um, I've also I had this one uh, six episode season writ- written for uh, a sitcom, which I've always wanted to p- publish. Oh, that's so cool! I, I love like I love like '90s TV, right? So I, yeah. I always watch like Fresh Prince, Full House, Seinfeld, yes. <clears throat> and and so I'm like. We need a, a a sitcom for musicians that, but it's not only for musicians. It's for something that everyone will watch that kind of gets people into, you know, music. Yeah. And have you have you heard of like the the what is, I forget what it's called, but it's like that Formula One documentary. 
what's it called again? It was on Netflix. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I, forgot, I forgot the name too. I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. But yeah, but those types, so that type of documentary, that type of show really boosts the overall popularity of that activity. And so, you know, our mission is create more drummers, help them play longer. Um, what can we do to kind of reach people in a, in a more broad way that isn't necessarily so obvious, like, hey, Ethan, please play drums, please play drums. Right. Like, we don't want to do that. We want to inspire you and create aspirational content and plant these types of ideas. So you're like, maybe I should play drums. And then, you know, because you saw it in a sitcom and then you go to YouTube and you search drum lessons and you find Drumio and then, you know, the rest is history, just yeah. like it was for me, right? We got to create those, we got to create those moments uh, for people. And so I would, I'd love to do a sitcom. I, I still have to film that. It's just incredibly expensive, but it's written. Um, we're uh, we're working on all this new like app um, technology as oh, well wow. that I'm really excited about. Yeah. Oh, that's so. Cool. That's so cool. Yeah. So. Yeah, next the next five years are gonna be crazy. Uh, at Mizora. Yeah, you, you can yeah. hang on to the position for. Now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and what it was um, what was one of the biggest obstacles when you were trying to advertise yourself as a teacher when you were first starting the brand? to get people to actually, you know, be like, all right, this guy sounds like he knows what he's talking about. We'll take lessons. We weren't thinking like that though. Like when we were first starting, there was no, or, or like next to no content online. Mm -hmm. So when we put a, a free video out, like just, Hey, here's a free video. People, there people like lost their minds back in the day because it was like, it wasn't even a thing. Like you could barely, it, the internet speeds were kind of just slowly switching over to DSL or ADSL, whatever it's called. Yeah. So um, at that time, we were just thinking about, okay, filming a basic video. The video quality was not good. The instruction within the video was not good. But like looking back on it now, but at the time, it's something that no one had really seen when, yeah. it, came, when it came to digitally distributed video. Mm. And so our focus was how do we put these videos online in a way that people can download them and watch them on their home computer? How do we actually like find people who want these videos or do people want these videos? Right. Um, and so we were more just trying to figure out our, like the, the, the business side and the, the, eventually the teaching side started to get better later. Yeah. But that's more like when YouTube started coming out and we started, you know, completing the feedback loop and getting a lot more data. Right. Because prior to that, we weren't able to put a video out and get to see a bunch of comments and people would tell us what they thought mm. or that it was like, you put a video out, someone would buy it and you really never heard from them again. Right. And so it's just, it's just different, right? It's like now everyone just like gets information back so quickly. Everything <laughs> is different than when we first started. Did you, so correct me if I'm wrong. Did you start break sticks with your brother? No, it's my it's my business partner at the time, a guy named Rick Kettner. Okay. Yeah. Just, I thought I read something on Musora or Drumio about James Falk. That's my brother. Okay. So he's yeah, he is a COO, so chief operating officer, and um, he's been part of the company for sixteen years now. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, he started in video editing, and then just moved to project management, and then eventually moved to operations. So he does most of the work. <laughs> <laughs> So you found it pretty easy to work with family then? James is like someone that offsets me 
almost perfectly. Awesome. Like, yeah, it's like it doesn't always work like that. My original business partner, Rick, uh, he was more technical than me from like a uh, technology perspective. Like he, he worked on websites and things like that. Um, but me and him from like a business management and like how we ran our lives, we, we were very similar. So we were, we have like, we love starting projects. We get excited about these new ideas, but then we don't have a lot of follow through and actually like it, we don't actually complete them. Mm-hmm. Whereas James is not like that at all. James hates it when we start something and don't finish it. So, but he, he might struggle to start stuff, something mm-hmm. and have those visions and ideas. Right. So me and Jay work really great together. That's awesome. I'm yeah. a, like me personally, I'm a twin. I do not think that would work out. I mean, even though, oh, really? well, even though we're already polar opposites, like I don't think we would balance each other out like that. I think one of us might break the other's tipping point. Interesting. <laughs> with me personally, and that's something I found with some other twins. Not ever, not not all twins are best friends. So is that <laughs> a brother or a sister? Are you guys identical? I have, identical? A, I have a twin fraternal brother. Okay. And he is one. He's one minute older, and it's fun, <laughs> it's funny because when we were kids, I used to pretend he's going to be the first one to go by a minute. <laughs> so when it comes to approaching a new instrument like how you did at 15 what would be your advice uh if you're just starting out figure out how to have fun on the instrument mm-hmm. and and really kind of just get, learn to love the process of playing and getting better i find a lot of new drummers will will take it so seriously right from the beginning and then they end up burning themselves out going too hard on things that are not uh, closely attached to the reason why they started. So an example of that is like a lot of people will watch like Rush. They'll they'll look at or they'll listen to Rush and they'll be like, man, this band's awesome. I can't, I want to play that. I'm so inspired. And then they go and practice and they're sitting there like doing rudiments with all this really important or they're going hard on technique, but they don't actually focus on playing the, the, the songs that they really wanted to play and so you got to try and find that balance of like enjoying yourself as well as working hard at getting better mm-hmm. until you like it until you yeah. know it's like until it's part of you and then you can pretty much torture yourself like i did for many many years <laughs> and like should. many other drummers have as you should with going in <laughs> yeah and then at that point you know, once you're hooked once you're in then you can kind of like refocus and, and set some goals and move forward that way yeah and then how has uh, how have electronic uh, drums sort of changed the game? Like, um, who was it? It was Sean Mendes's drummer with the hybrid kit. Yeah, Mike Sleeth. Yeah. So when you see stuff like that, and then you go like into artists that have just exclusive electronic kit, do you think that um, it's losing sort of a sound in a kit? Do you think it's losing something or gaining something with the hybrid set? I think it's gaining something for sure. Yeah. I think you're going to see more kits on stage and you'll start to like, is that electric or acoustic? This is electric. I think that's electric. Yeah. No, I know that. Uh, well, I can see that now. I didn't notice it before, but, but I mean, I was watching a, a video, I think it was a tiny desk concert and it was a rolling kit, mm-hmm. but it looked like an acoustic kit. It had a big bass drum. And, and I think a lot of these, especially for the higher end kits, they're going to try and make the aesthetic match. Yes. And if it's, and if no one can really tell the difference in a recorded sound anymore, like some people can, and it really depends on how it's recorded, but modern 
processed music, the, the, like just pop music or rock music, it's going to become indistinguishable. So, yeah, I, I just think electric kits are, are here to stay and, and we should learn to like coexist just like acoustic and electric guitars. They each have their, their, um, plus, their positives and negatives and yeah. pros, pros and cons. And so it's just like, just be cool with that and play what you want to play and what inspires you the most. That's awesome. If you had um, another piece of advice to give to a starting entrepreneur, you know, whether it's breaking, well, I mean, breaking into the space, you know, is it basically just like do it with your head up? <laughs> you know, expect the rejection, like hope for the best, but accept, like expect the worst. Uh, well, my dad always said head, head down, horns out. So when you're, <laughs> when, when you work at anything, you, you know, you have to be willing to push hard. And I would, I would say like, what are you willing to give up? Like, what are you willing to not do? Because this is so important to you. And I've heard that a lot. You know, I, I'm not the one who came up with that for sure. But, you know, what are you willing to sacrifice in order to make your dreams come true? Um, and a lot of people are not willing to sacrifice anything. And so if you truly want something, if you truly think something is important to you, then you'll continue pushing, you'll move down that path. And when you when you reach a roadblock, you'll figure it out. You'll figure out how to get past it. Um, but you won't quit because business is a little bit of survival yeah. as well as, uh, uh, as it is just like um, strategy and execution and all that. It's like, no, you need to find a way to keep going um, and pivot when you need to pivot. So, I mean, that, that said, piece of advice, like one piece of advice for new entrepreneurs is really try and clearly establish your vision because your vision is basically the, the uh, destination that you enter into your Google Maps, right? Mm -hmm. So that's going to determine the, the, your directions. That's going to determine when you, when you turn and, and how long it takes you to get there. But <clears throat> set a clear vision, then focus on strategy um, and tactics on how to actually get there. And that, I mean, it's, that's easier said than done, but now it's um, it's very different going into a business than like, a, especially a business like mine than when I first started. It's very, very different. Right. Whew, man, we, we're, we're zooming through this. <laughs> you got, you rapid fire, man. You just got like all these different types of questions. It's good. I'm trying to just sort of capture everything and anything I can think of, <laughs> but I don't want to be bouncing all around <laughs> making you think no, too hard. No, it's good, man. Um, you're, so you're just starting this podcast out, right? This is this is a groundbreaking thing for me too. You're actually my third interview. Okay, good, good. And granted, you know, personally, this is reaching way far in the pond. You know, collab, collabing with this, and you know, th that's why I'm was first of all, I I got to shout out KC. He is fantastic. KC is the man. Love that man. Yeah, awesome dude. Thank you. <laughs> So, I mean, like, as far as Drumeo and everything, was there any, was that, is what you have right now the vision from the get-go? Just sort of no. talk. Okay. <laughs> no, it's evolved. It's evolved over the years. It, yeah. And it will continue to evolve. Good. Five or ten years yeah. from now, it won't be what it is today. What's been one of your favorite videos you got to shoot for um, the channel? I've shot some really fun ones, but one of the most exciting ones was when we went with Todd to 
uh, like some remote place in BC. We we loaded up two helicopters and with gear and stuff. I don't know if you've seen the video, but it um, it's really fun. And so just being in helicopters, we flew down um, close to the river, landed on some rocks in some completely remote place, oh set up his drum set. It was like raining. Uh, <laughs> and we had just enough battery power to like capture the performance and do all this testing and try not to ruin the cameras in the rain. And then Todd just crushed it in the freezing cold. His hands must have been just like frigid. I, I remember he was sitting in the <laughs> helicopter just like shivering. <clears throat> but he's like, we that was like, shot, right? pardon? <laughs> he's like, we got the shot, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We did. We got the shot. I also did a, one session. I was in uh, Kyoto, Japan. I was doing a, I did a documentary on Tama drums. And then part of the, the documentary is that I do, we like to talk about like local culture because that influences the creative process of people who create drums and, you know, craftsmen that are, that are painting and yeah. doing all that kind of stuff. So we, I got to jam with like a Taiko group one day and we rented a temple in, in you Kyoto. Just casually rented a temple. Well, it's like, yeah, there's, there's so in Japan that it, you can, and it's not okay. as expensive as you think. Wow. No, it's not as expensive as you think. See, that's I think culture maybe... shock. That, that, that's complete culture shock. Like you're renting a temple, like you're renting a meeting room. Yeah, well, it's probably similar cost. It's like probably $1,500 or $2,000. And you have a temple for, like it's a smaller temple, yeah. right? It's not one of these big ones that you see on, on uh, wherever you, you see big temples. Movies or whatever, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, so that was another thing I wanted to ask you. Where, where physically has been the furthest you've gotten to travel because of um, your career? Hmm. I've been to China. Uh, I went with China to Yamaha. Cool. Um, so I, I went, and I went to, from there to Japan. I was just in Spain. That's right. I was right. in Valencia. Yeah, and I was in um, Sevilla playing at the Tam Tam Drum Fest. I've been to Switzerland. To film with Peisty, that was really really fun. It's a lot of fun. Germany, all over the place, man. I don't know what's the furthest. I haven't been to Australia, and I'd really like to go. That'd be really cool. Yeah, Australia would be fun. Yeah, it's very far though. That that would definitely be the furthest. I think it's like <laughs> opposite poles almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. China's crazy though. I don't. Have you ever been to China? Furthest I've been out the country is Israel. Okay. That, I'd like to go there as well. That is absolutely one of the best places I've ever had the pleasure of going to. Everywhere there's something going on. Tel Aviv, Jerusalem. Cool. Def definitely a place I recommend to everyone who's interested in going. Yeah. It's definitely Israel. Um, do you go for holidays or do you go for like a, a different type of event? For me, it's funny. I went to a Jewish day school growing up. So okay. So they found a way to pool enough money for the class to go to Israel for a week would and you know we're, we're a bunch of 13 year old eighth graders so you can't really do much except just sort of admire the scenery and stuff yeah and you know just experience the culture shock of you know these army men with rifles casu casually walking the streets like oh man nice <laughs> yeah, that's cool but cool. no it, Israel is it's an unbelievable food unbelievable sights everyone is super friendly um time of my life have to go again for sure um, yeah sure where so other than australia where would you like to travel to for drumming 
Ah, mm. oh, where else? New Zealand, Ireland. Yeah. Uh, more places in UK, I think, in, in general. Have you? And then, sorry. Huh? Have you traveled like all across the U.S.? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I used to. So before, kind of while drum, while drumming as well, I I did tours with different bands at times. Okay. So I've toured quite a bit in probably most of the the states at some point. Um, maybe not all fifty. Yeah. Some, but uh, but a lot of them. Um, yeah, but I I love traveling. Like I, as as long as it's not like super uncomfortable, mm. I really like traveling. That's um, good. Just seeing different like cultures and meeting different type of, of people and eating different types of food and oh, yeah. seeing the landscape and hearing different music. And it's like, it's really cool to just be exposed to all that. Oh yeah. What, what's been, what was one of your biggest takeaways when traveling when it, when in how you can relate it to your career? Hmm. I don't know. That's a hard question. How I can relate it to my career. I don't know. I'm being a bit introspective, aren't I? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, man. <laughs> It's, we're getting a bit deep. Um, <laughs> so this is kind of a joke, but I guess there's a lot of almost propaganda that drummers are dumb. Hmm. Why, why do people say that? I think it's because of the, like we, like, you know, it's kind of animalistic and theatrical, just like bashing drums and just like smashing things around. I think it's kind of like that people saw animal you know, from the Muppets. Morning and then they think, oh, it's just, yeah, drummers are just like sitting there bashing and crashing around. But, but I mean, the science is completely the opposite. We're literally mathematicians. Yeah, literally. exactly. It's scientific that drummers are smarter. So. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any formal education in, in uh, music or are you all self-taught? I had no, no, like I didn't go to, uh, I went to high school, but I didn't go to any college or university after that. Okay. So, yeah. And I had teachers all through, all through high school. I had private drum teachers as mm. well as I was in the music programs. But outside of that, everything else was just, um, just all my own learning through the internet, essentially. Nice. What has been your, well, actually, who is um, a young drummer now that you're, that you've, kind of had an eye on or that you've noticed recently <clears throat> okay I mean, I, I mean there's so many it's hard to sort of pick one it's this guy and i gotta i'm just gonna bring up his name because i want to say it right it's adolfo yeah this guy it's adolfo mijo i'll, I'll post it in our chat here but it's uh okay. he's incredible man he's I don't know how young he is, but he's the new, newest artist that, that I'm on to. Um, I think he's a, he teaches at Berkeley maybe, or the, in the collective in New York. Oh, wow. So really, really great drummer, but check him out. Awesome. There's a, New York just breeds a whole lot of just really good drummers. Um, God, what's his name? Dimitri Fantini. He's really yeah. good. Um, yeah, I know Dimitri. And then there's someone else that he's worked with, uh, Joel. I always, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Is it Turset or Turquette? You know who I'm talking about? Joel Turquette. He, I think he was. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, how do I say it? Tur. It's C E T T E. I don't know how you pronounce it though. 
Yeah, Joel's great. Really, really good drummer. Yeah, he recently moved to Texas. Actually, I, I, I need to get him on the show. That'd be yeah, fun. that'd that'd be a fun one. What yeah. um, what style of music did you grow up or did you start off playing? Basically, just rock, man. Like yeah. '90s rock. Collective Soul was. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They're like the first band that I really kind of connected drumming to, like music. Yeah. Before that, before playing with that type of music, I was just playing beats and fills. Mm. <clears throat> so as soon as I started playing with that, I'm like actually kind of started feeling um, the energy of the the music along with the drumming, which is pretty cool. Love that. And then you you were talking about your favorite bands. Um, what what ones? Which bands turned you on to different genres? Like for me personally, Snarky Puppy really got me huge into jazz. Yeah. And then for Tyler, me, like, sorry. No, and I was just gonna say like Tower of Power got me into funk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love Tower of Power. Um, Dave Brubeck Quartet got me into listening to more jazz, like hearing Take Five for the first time. Like, yes. wow, that's really really cool. <clears throat> and um, Tower Power also for getting me into funk. Snarky Puppy. Um, the group I can't it's blanking now. The, the one with Nate Smith in it. Wolfpack. Wolfpack. There's another one too with the three guitars. Oh, Fearless Flyers. Yes, Fearless Flyers. Yes. Thank you. You got all these things right. Right on. Right on the end of your tip of your tongue. I, right? I know a couple yeah. things. I know a couple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then like to Toto got me into more old school like rock big drum sounds mm. uh and jeff Picaro, uh that sort of thing so yeah does larnell lewis play with snarky puppy now or is it uh robert c right still i think they have a bit of a rotating drum chair in snarky i'm not okay. exactly sure but yeah i think larnell does some gigs depending on where they are and then yeah. they have other guys that can sit in okay well and then what would you call so there's been sort of a type of drumming. I don't really know how to explain it. It's it's not four four. It's just it's different type signature and it sounds unbelievable. Um, Matt Gartska plays plays like this a lot. Um, An Anika, how do I say that? Anika Niles. Anika Niles. Anika Niles. Yeah. Yes. Is that yeah. is that like prog rock or what are they doing? Yeah, I think it would just be considered progressive rock. That's like Matt with Animals as Leaders. Yeah, Polly. And Monica with Picolar, I believe that's her. And she's in, she's playing with, uh, I'm blanking again. She's playing with someone, a pretty high profile gig now as well. Oh, yeah. Well, y'all yeah. also had a Prince's touring drummer, didn't you? Yes, we did. Hannah, uh, Hannah Welton, is that her name? Yep. Yeah, Hannah was, uh, she was out maybe last year sometime, or maybe earlier this year. That's yeah, so I'm cool. not sure. Her content did did awesome and she is such a such a gem to have in the studio such a great positive personality in person so oh yeah i'm sure the story she has too is crazy awesome for sure yeah Speaking i think she shared that how she got that gig on her on her content mm, in drum. That, that was something i needed to ask you what's um what's a real memorable story um that you're able to recap on just, just something whether it's about a Nam event, a certain, a certain um, shoot you were doing, or solo you were shooting. Hmm. Do you have any good stories? Well, I don't know if it's a good story, but when we had Peter Erskine out, I just thought it was hilarious. Like most other artists that come to Drumio, they say it's like they're live streaming, 
they're playing music and they're teaching. So it's a lot more pressure than just an average gig. And so a lot of drummers that come out get really nervous about going live uh, and because it's printed. I mean, it's live and it's recorded, right? Mm. But 30 minutes before Peter's lesson, I found him on the couch sleeping. And so he was just snoring, having a snooze. And I thought, I was like, how is this guy so chill? Yeah. You know, he's so ultra chill. But his again, his content turned out amazing. He's just like super relaxed when he plays and teaches, very confident in his ability. So, yeah. I don't know if that's a good story, but that's a story. It's a story. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> oh, Some man. of the stuff I can't tell you, you know. No, I, I can, <laughs> I'll respect that 100%. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so any – so we, we've been on for a while, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy about that. Happy I caught <laughs> you. Um, any last parting words that I can get from you before I let you finish your day? <laughs> Well, I mean, to, to the drumming community, I'll just say it's okay to disagree and still be friends. It's, a state, it's okay to disagree on certain issues and, and kind of separate the person from that specific issue. Like, just the, the term agree to disagree, it, it's a thing for a reason. And I found in, the, in today's climate, it's like either you agree with me on this topic or I hate you. And it's like very polarizing. And that's coming from the political landscape that we've experienced for the past like three or four years. It's and, a trickle down effect. Yeah. And it's, and it's unfortunate. Like just because you don't agree with me on a specific topic or I don't agree with you on a specific topic, it doesn't mean I hate you. Mm. And it just means that we disagree on that. But there's probably a million other things that we agree on. 100%. And so I leave the, I, I hope the drum community can can just agree to disagree sometimes and I still didn't know feel... there was a lot of hostility among us <clears throat> there is there is more so lately maybe it's just on, on my side but i think i hope it gets better i'm gonna need to look into that we're, we're gonna need to find peace among drummers yeah, there you go <laughs> <laughs> well jared thank you again so much for taking time out of your exceedingly busy schedule as i can imagine it probably is <laughs> mm -hmm and gracing me with your presence this is huge for me personally and you know this is huge you know i i can't i can't repeat myself enough otherwise it gets boring but you know thank you so much for you know coming on yeah. i really appreciate it thank you you know your your messages uh originally were really kind and thoughtful and so i appreciate how you you reached out and how and uh like i said how thoughtful you were so best of luck with the podcast. Um, I hope it does really, really well for you, Ethan. Thank you. I'll be looking out for the um, sitcom. Ah. <laughs> I'll be to it. It's, it's on my watch list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jared, I hope you have a good rest of your evening. Take care of yourself. And yeah. hopefully we can do this in the future. Who knows? All right. See you later, Ethan. Awesome.